Hey, everybody, I want to give a very special shout-out and round of applause to Kendall Lance because she owned it, even though, you know, her timing was off, but you know what? She owned it, and that's what I'm talking about. And there's a moral to that story. I just don't know what it is. Um, so tonight is our panel discussion, okay? And so you guys all had an opportunity to submit questions for us to answer. And guys, we want y'all to know there were some really great questions. And you guys had a lot of really, really, really deep things that y'all are thinking about, that y'all are pondering. And as a student ministry, guys, the best thing we can do and the thing that we want to do most is we want to answer those to the best of our abilities. We want to give that ability and we want to give that respect to the questions that you guys have. And so we know that, man, if we sit here and Hunter can preach for 15, 20 minutes on a Wednesday night and we can answer one question, and that's great, but we also know that y'all have lots of questions. And so that's what our goal is tonight, is to answer all of y'all's questions. Because that is what life is, is a constant search for answers. It's a constant search for what matters. It's a constant search for what is going to hold water for our lives, what's going to hold weight for our lives. And I hope, by all means, for you in your life, is that you find your answers, you find your joy, you find your identity, you find everything in the person of Jesus, in who Jesus is. Because Jesus says, John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And man, you look at that, that simple statement he says right there, he says, I'm the way. Guys, we are looking in this world for things that make sense. We're looking in this world for things to show us how to do things. And Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the one who's going to show you how to live this life. I'm the one who's going to show you how you might act. Jesus says, I'm the truth, that we are constantly looking for answers, that we're looking for truth. We're looking for what makes sense in this world. Jesus says, look to me, you're going to find that truth. Jesus says, I'm the life, that guys, if you look to Jesus and you model your life after him, you admit your sins, confess him as your Lord and Savior, that you will find life and life to the abundance. And I want to also say this, guys, to never be afraid to ask questions and never be afraid to pursue those questions, okay? In John chapter 3, the, like the beginning of that chapter, the whole chapter almost, is built off of a guy who is, has questions, who is looking for answers to those questions. And he comes to Jesus in the dead of night, and he says, Jesus, what does one have to do to be saved? And Jesus, through answering his questions, he comes to that famous verse that we all know, John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Guys, I, I promise you, if you continue to wrestle with these questions, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to feel embarrassed. You don't need to feel worried about asking questions to the Lord. Because if you pursue him, you pursue those questions, what you will find is you will find answers. And his name is Jesus. And so what we want to do tonight is we want to answer your questions, okay? So with that being said, would you guys like to meet your panelists? Yes. Is, that, is that a thing? Would you guys like to meet who it is? Okay. Lights, please. Music, please. Well then. Guys, we would like to introduce you first to your first panelist. His last name quite literally says Godwin. Please welcome Andrew Godwin right here, ladies and gentlemen. You guys, to my left, you're right. 
You might know her by many things. You might know her by the person that keeps the book for her husband's baseball team. You might know her as the person that keeps minutes for the junior high search committee. Or you might know her as Ashley Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. Any seat, any seat. All right, guys. Next, to my right, your left. He was once one of us. He graduated up to Big People Church, but we love him enough that we want to welcome him back. Please give a warm round of applause to our good friend, Mr. Adam Landers. And last but not least, I love all of these three very deeply. I, miss that. I love each of these three dearly, but let me just say this is by far my favorite panelist. Everybody, please welcome Hank's mom, my wife, Sarah Smith. All right, and welcome to the panel, everybody. Um, I want to apologize first. I know I got the order mixed up. It's just. I'm just going to be really honest, save the best for last. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Aw. Um, so our first question, and guys, we're going to try and rifle, like, rifle through as many of these as humanly possible um, and all that. So with that being said, yes, this microphone, and then Caleb is getting one more put together. We might have to do a little bit of sharing, but that's okay. You know, COVID's not a thing anymore. We can share. It's all right. Uh, let's start with a mic check. Uh, introduce yourself. Hey. Oh, I'm yeah. Ashley Edwards. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Ashley. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I'm, I'm Andrew Godwin. Yeah. That's right. That's good. Check, check. Oh, I'm on. The first time I've got on the stage where the microphone actually works. <laughs> uh, Adam Landers, how y'all doing? Is it on? Oh, you got the one that doesn't work. It also would help if I turned it on. Uh. <laughs> hey, I'm Hank's mom. <laughs> Look at it. All right, so uh, we are going to start at the far end. Uh, this question actually is for Andrew. Andrew, are you ready? Uh, yes. Andrew, your question is, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Oh, good. So far, we'll see. That's nice. Uh, Ashley, similar question. Um, how's it going? It's going good. Good. Adam, a uh, similar question. What's up? What is up? Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot in that question. Mm. Um, but uh, everything seems to be going okay so far. Check so, me in about 35 minutes. So far. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, Sarah, your question. What's it feel like to be the luckiest woman in the world? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I thank the Lord every day. This is the best day of my life. All right. Um, let's see. Jackson, I'm going to let you start. Tell me when to stop. Just any time. Jackson. There we go. All right. Question number one for the panel. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Um, also, somebody who has a spare writing stick, please bring it to me. All right. 
Uh, first question, how do you tell someone about God who doesn't want to hear it or believes in something else? Um, okay, so 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, 24 through 26 says, The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Um, you know, so basically it's just saying, like, our duty is to be kind and gentle while we're speaking the truth, and it's not our job to quarrel with somebody. Um, whenever they're ready to accept it, you know, God will be there with his grace to accept them as well. Awesome. You, you know, know oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask if anybody else wants to okay. add. Um, I think it's also important that, um, you know, we earn the right to speak into people's lives. Um, so I can walk up to a stranger on the street and tell them that God loves them and that, I mean, which is absolutely true, um, and, and present salvation to them. But how much more does it mean if I sit down with my best friend and tell her? Um, and so because, because of that friendship, because of what we've cultivated, I have now earned the right to speak into her life um, and to speak truth to her, and she is much more likely to listen to me. Awesome. And, and one other thing I'd like to add to that, too, is uh, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says that we should sanctify the Lord in our hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for that hope that's in us. Uh, preparation is a large part of that. And being prepared, whether it be knowing how to give an evangelistic method or something like that, um, and, you know, give the gospel effectively, responsibly, is part of that preparation process. But not only that, understanding where they're coming from. When you understand where they come from and how they make the decisions that they make, um, that helps you to give them the word that they need. And you pray before it. The Holy Spirit's going before you, so you're not in this by yourself. And so the most important thing that you can remember is make sure that you're prepared, that you're always ready to make sure you give that uh, response that's biblically effective in the gospel. Awesome. I guess I'll join in since I'm the only one who hasn't. Um, I think what you mentioned with the Holy Spirit is really important. You know, it's, it's really the work of the Holy Spirit that moves people, that softens their heart, that convicts them, and, and really leads them to Jesus. And it's just our duty to just tell them. So we can tell them, and then we need to, we need to really be praying for the Holy Spirit to move in a way that, you know, only the Holy Spirit can. Yeah. So it's important to know that as well. Yeah. That's awesome, guys. Round one, done. Good job. You made it so far. <laughs> So, you guys, you know, on the subject of talking to people about Jesus, um, let me see, by show of hands here on the panel, um, has there ever been a time that you've been maybe afraid to share Jesus with somebody, whether it be a loved one or, all right, uh, let's see, audience here, by show of hands, and it's okay, has there ever been a time that maybe you've been afraid or worried or kind of questioning about sharing Jesus with somebody? By, by, by chance. Awesome. So, panel, the question I would like to ask you guys is, okay, we, we've all established, you know, sometimes we're afraid, sometimes we're anxious. How do we get over those fears to share Jesus with people? Again, I think it comes down to prep and practice. The, the way I, I did it was just stepping out in faith and maybe studying a little bit, you know, getting a gospel method down. One of the things that actually helps me is, and that's today, is when uh, Dr. Jenkins brought these 
bracelets. I can bring in the gospel. It brings up a good conversation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the more you do it, the easier it gets. And eventually it becomes second nature. And you'll actually look for those opportunities everywhere you go. I also think it's not, I think a lot of these opportunities come up quite frequently. I think a lot of times we say that's not an opportunity or we shy away from it. If, if we're really, you know, growing in our faith and, and becoming, you know, closer to Christ, I think these opportunities to share um, come up way more frequently and people um, are more willing to listen to it than you think they are. So I think kind of learning that, you know, God brings us to see opportunities and he's going to give us the boldness to, to take these opportunities. I think that helps us give a lot of, I guess, confidence to, to speak tr truth into people's lives. Also for me, sorry. It's okay. Also for me, um, something that I like to think about, um, in Isaiah 55, it tells us that the words that go out from my mouth do not return void. It is nothing that I do. It is not about me. It is not the words that I say. Um, it is not the way that I look. Nothing about me can cause another person um, to accept salvation. It is all the Holy Spirit and the Lord. And I am merely a vessel for the Lord to speak through. And so when you take yourself kind of out of the picture and say, all I am doing is answering the Lord and speaking, um, and he is doing everything else. For me, that takes away a lot of the fear. Awesome. I'll add. Um, yeah, and I definitely think that, like, the more you talk about Christ in your daily life, just even at home with your family, your friends and stuff, when those opportunities come about, your the confidence that the Holy Spirit gives you um, with knowing, you know, his love and stuff makes it a lot easier um, to put yourself out of it and take your fears away and just speak what you already know about. Awesome. So we've talked about sharing with people. Um, and if we're going to do that, we're going to come in contact with a lot of different people. We're going to come in contact with a lot of different belief systems. A lot of different people who believe things maybe very differently than us. So the next question I have for the panel is this. How do we know that we're right about God and everybody else is wrong? Everything stands on the word of God. Everything has to stand there. That's his message to us. Uh, so there's historical evidence. There's manuscript evidence. You know, the same thing that they had, we have. And we can take confidence in that. Uh, the most important evidence to me, when, what brought me to Christ, was the prophetic evidence. Working throughout history, writing things down ahead of time, and be able to see that transpire throughout history. And, you know, uh, in Isaiah 46.10 it says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. And no other book can do that. No other book can get 100% accurate every time. So that's what I looked at when I came to Christ. Yeah, and I was actually, when we were kind of, you know, we got to cheat a little bit and get these questions overhand. But, um, you know, I was raised in church, so I guess it was kind of hard for me at first to really answer this question when it's just something that, like, I know God is real, but it's so much easier to believe God is real when you've grown up in a house that believes in God and stuff. But um, researching this, the amount of um, prophecies that have been fulfilled in the Bible and the ones that have not been fulfilled are the ones of the end of times. Like, how 
the amount of evidence that this book provides for us and that um, has been left throughout, for us throughout history um, does not just stand alone. Um, it is proof and it is real. Um, so, Adam, you actually touched on a really good point, and that's going to lead us into our next question, uh, talking about everything stands on the Word of God, everything stands on you know, what the Bible is revealing to us and telling us about Jesus. And so our next question for the panel is this, what makes the Bible more holy than all the quote-unquote holy books that are out there? You know, I think, I think for me it all hinges on the divine inspiration of the Bible. Um, you know, you have these other books, the, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, um, other faith-based books that were some guy in a cave, you know, that, that wrote it versus, you know, the Bible um, is divinely inspired um, by God. Um, he orchestrated every word, every sentence, every story, every um, verse that went into it. And now he wrote through humans as vessels, um, but it is divinely inspired by the Lord. And for me, that's what that's what that question hinges on. It's they've tried to disprove it for centuries, and they haven't done it yet. Okay, and it's I mean, 100 percent accurate, like I said, prophetically. Um, the other books, however, you can easily discredit those. They're riddled with historical inaccuracies. They're, um, they're conflicting ideologies from one section of the book to another. Uh, but when you have the Bible, you've got 40 different authors over the course of close to 2,000 years that has one singular message of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. And it's all accurate. Um, so when I was looking at this stuff for myself, that really spoke to me as the validity of the Bible versus everything else. Yeah, when you look at the Bible, as, you know, it's, it's intertwined. It, you know, it has prophecies. It, it you know, echoes itself throughout the entire you know, the book, really. Um, and just the consistency of the character of God, it just screams volumes, I think. You know? The God that you read about in you know, Genesis is the same that you read about in Exodus, and you know, so on, all the way through Revelation, right? You see the same reoccurring uh, characters, and just, you know, attitudes he has towards us is, is consistent. And I think that says a lot. And all those books, like, there's always an end to that story. Um, and for us, there is no end to our story until Jesus comes again. And even then we spend an everlasting um, eternity with him. And I think that's very important as well. Awesome. First off, everybody should tweet that. Everything else has an end to the story, but our story's not over yet. Look at you. I see that. Very good. Um, this next question actually is for Sarah again. Sarah, can I please have a drink of water? No. Thanks. MCing's hard. Very nice. Thank you. All right, next question. Excluding Jesus, because that's the easy answer. Hold on. It's okay. Uh, one biblical character you would like to go out to lunch with sometime. Uh, let's start here with Sarah and go down to Andrew. This is not on my sheet. It's not in your sheet, but <laughs> deal with it. Um, excluding Jesus. It, because that's the easy answer. Like, yeah. Yeah. I would say Esther. Okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, fight, fight, fight. No, I'm just kidding. 
I'd, I'd have to go with Paul. Okay. Mine was Esther, but I'll change it to Ruth. Hey, all right. Isaiah. I thought for sure you were going to say Andrew. Who? I thought for sure you were going to say Andrew. Andrew. I changed mine to Andrew. Could have been. Who knows? All right. So, I changed mine to Adam. No. You can be Sarah. You can be Adam. You can figure it out. You, very nice. All right. Um, so next question, um, let's talk a little bit. So we've talked about sharing the gospel. We've talked a lot about kind of defending our faith and being able to back up what we believe. Let's talk a little bit about how we come about some of those answers. Okay. So my question for you is this, uh, how do I know if I am growing in my relationship with God? I would have to say fruit inspection. Okay. I mean, when, when you're obedient to Christ, you're going to bear fruit. And that's something that I, I personally had to look at in my past to see, am I being effective for Christ? And what kind of impact am I having on the people around me? Am I bearing good fruit? Now, we're told in Scripture to look at the fruit of others. But First uh, Peter, he, Peter talks about, Making sure that you know that your election is for sure. That means know where you are at all times with God. You know, make a constant check on it. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. To figure out, okay, where am I falling short and how can I improve? Well, and we always talk about how there's a change. And I think a lot of times we think that it's going to be like this immediate change and it is but at the same time like we're still human and there's characteristics about ourselves that um you know are our flaws but i think as we continue to grow closer to christ whenever we're ex like you know showing those characteristic flaws it, we have a moment where we think about it and god is there saying like he's with us and is helping us to stray away from those flaws and draw nearer to him instead I think some moments where I found myself necessarily not growing, like I should be in the Lord's times, so where I found myself comfortable, um, where I found myself in a routine, uh, you know, just going to church, you know, two times a week, and then, you know, that was it. And then, <clears throat> you know, at a certain point, you have to learn to be uncomfortable and, and continue to walk in your faith and walk out into kind of the unknown, right? You know, God calls us to do different things that, you know, kind of scare us. You know, he calls us to share our faith. He calls us to sit up here and talk to you guys. Um, which is fun. Oh, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. I'm having fun. Um, but yeah, is, is your faith, are, are, are you doing things that make you uncomfortable? Are, and are you depending on God for that? So. Right. so next question is, you know, we're trying to grow in our relationship with God. Uh, kind of similar, but also building off of that. How do I, like practically, step by step, how do I grow closer to God? Because I think... I've told you all the story, a uh, 17-year-old precocious young hunter comes to know the Lord, starts following him, and I went to an event, and the speaker literally told me to be a better Christian, and I was so inspired. I was like, man, uh, yeah, you're right, but there was never really a how to do that, so let's talk nitty-gritty, practical, like Thursday morning uh, takeaway here. Um, how do I get closer to God? In this one, I think that um, the cliche answers are the best answers. Um, there's no way for you to get closer to the Lord if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not praying. 
um, and if you're not involved in a church family. Um, there is no way for you to just, like Hunter says all the time, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and magically become closer to God. It's not going to happen. Um, you have got, just like you do if you play basketball or whatever, play the banjo or what, you, in order to get better at what you're doing, you have to put in the work. Um, and so you have to read your Bible, you have to pray um, in order to, to make that happen. I'm a worship music girl, um, so I also really like to sleep in. So I don't do my quiet time in the mornings. I do it in the afternoons. But as soon as I get in my car when I wake up and I'm getting dressed, worship music um, allows me to worship him. And I feel in those moments I'm getting closer because you're laying everything out in those moments and you can feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Um, and so for me, that's a very a practical way um, to start off a Thursday morning. Awesome. Uh, Sarah actually mentioned something that really spoke to me, something Pastor Kevin said a few Sundays ago. Um, did you know that Pastor Kevin's first instrument that he learned was the banjo? I was listening. I heard that little detail. And with that being said, this question actually pivots from the panel to Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin, is there any time that we can expect you to play banjo for Greenhouse Band? Woo! Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, Follow-up question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So, Ashley, actually now, like, bringing back the serious talk, talk for a second, um, you made a really interesting comment there about uh, riding, you know, with the windows down, hair blowing through wind, hair blowing through your wind, you know, <laughs> and talking about listening to worship music, and that's just a really great time for God to speak to you. So I hear that thrown around a lot, and our friends out here have also said that. So our next question for the panel is this, how do I know if God is talking to me or if it's just my own thoughts? Which is a great question, by the way. Y'all yeah. wrote great questions. I ask this question all the time when I, you know, I'm trying to think through something or a big decision. Um, so yeah, that question doesn't always go away. Um, I think an important thing to consider is, um, is what I'm hearing or what I'm thinking, does that align with the word of God? Is, is that what is that what the Bible says? Because the Holy Spirit, you know, he's part of that, you know, that trinity, the Holy Trinity. And um, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell me something that Jesus said don't do. You know, it's all, all three of those things are, you know, one. They're going to have the same message, right? So is what I'm hearing, thinking, it, does that align with the Word of God? And if not, then it's probably myself. You know, it's probably me talking to myself. Yeah, so Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. And John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I've told you. Um, I think, you know, whenever we're trying to walk down a path and get closer to God, and we're trying to make decisions about our lives, and, you know, for some of y'all where you're going to go to college, what job you're going to have, um, God's going to align those things for you and your thoughts. Our thoughts are going to be, the thoughts are going to be doubt and worry and anxiety and stuff. But God's thoughts are going to be things that are clear and true and strong and that are going to bring you to the good things. Um, and I think the more that we spend time in scripture, um, he provides us with themes um, and, and scripture that we kind of see regularly when we're searching for it. Um, and so I always have to step back and say, you know, 
am I putting doubt into what God is asking or all those things? Awesome. Yeah, what you're, what you're saying is so true. Everything's got to be bounced off of Scripture. You know, and if, I'm, if what I'm thinking is contrary to what's in Scripture, I'm going to have to reevaluate because I'm the one that's incorrect. Uh, but in doing that, you also need to take up wise counsel with other people. People that have made some decisions in the past that have been difficult. People that you can look at their life and say, that's a faithful walk. I can listen to this person. And so bounce ideas off of other people that you can trust. And it helps you get clarity on some of those situations that maybe the Bible's not addressing directly, but that you know that you can trust what they have to say because they may have made that decision before. They've walked that path. So it's important to, to be able to listen to other people that are around you. Awesome. We're about to pivot to a new section of questions, but before we do that, Adam, this question is actually for you. Uh, it was submitted from an anonymous, anonymous audience member. Uh, Adam, we've all seen The Lion King. We know that Scar is the primary villain, but do you think that the herd of unruly wildebeest that trampled Mufasa should ever have to answer for their crimes as well? That's such a good question. <laughs> you know, they're naturally doing what they do anyway. So, you know, Scar, he's definitely got the heavy hand in the situation. They're literally, the, because yeah, literally. he went, ah! Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, you Dare know, I say heavy paw? Yeah, I, I don't think they're a fault in this. I, okay. Um, Follow-up question. Uh, this one actually is for Ashley, and it's not related to Disney, but Ashley, this is going to get us into our next round of questions. Ashley, <clears throat> let me see this. Uh, what scent of Axe body spray did Taylor wear when he asked you out on the first date? <laughs> the all natural. <laughs> what? All natural. <laughs> you got that Matthew McConaughey stank going on? Okay. <laughs> Is there an Axe body spray for that? Okay. We're Arm and Hammer kind of people. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so that leads us into, sometimes, guys, segues naturally happen. Sometimes they don't, and you have to make them happen. So now that we've <laughs> talked about first dates, let's talk about relationships now, shall we? You see what I did there? Everybody clap for me. Thank you. Uh, the first relationship question is for Sarah. Sarah, do you have any idea how good you got it? <laughs> no. No, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for the, <laughs> for the panel, can't wait to talk about that when we get home. How do you find a good balance between my relationship with my friends and other people and my relationship with God? I think it's really important um, to understand that if you place your hope and identity and um, everything that you are in the people around you, they're going to fail you. Um, and something that I'm sure all of y'all can speak to, but when Hunter and I got married, the idea of like, I got married, this is my spouse, I should spend all my time with him, and, and everything, you know, you have this tendency to like, put everything that you are onto this one person, and that is a very unhealthy balance. Um, whereas my identity, my purpose, all of that should be in the Lord, because as great as Hunter is, he, <laughs> he is not perfect, he's human. The um, <laughs> um, and so I think balancing that by making sure that the Lord is always number one um, and everybody else will fall in line behind that. 
sometimes we get in this mode of we have our worldly life and we have our church life. But we're not two different people. Once we become a new creation in Christ, he should be our focus, like she was saying. Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So once he becomes your focus, everything is going to fall into place. Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. You're, you've got your new identity in Christ. And that should positively impact everybody around you. That's your identity. Uh, next question, Sarah. When is our anniversary? March 3rd. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. All right. Uh, this one is about the one. Quote, unquote, the one. So here's the question for you guys. Uh, what should I be looking for in, quote, unquote, the one? I think, first of all, they should have a solid relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think that's rule number one. Yep. You guys have the same <laughs> basis of faith. Real, real quick, uh, we're going to continue with this question about what we're looking for in the one, but I do want to touch on that. Um, so, panel, is it okay for I'm a Christian? Is it okay for me to date a non-Christian? You can be quick yes or no question. Yes or no, one sentence, rebuttal, go. No. Okay. No. Let me, let me no. add that. To, oh, okay. I said no. I was going to say, Second <laughs> Corinthians 6, 14 do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? If you care for them, you pray for them. You witness to them. And I know that's more than one word, but the Bible speaks directly to that for a reason. All right, so let's go back. What are, what are we looking for in the one? Jesus. Very good. Um. <laughs> You know, of course, like he's saying, like you're not only should we focus on your partner's relationship with Christ, but also where you are with Christ, um, I think as well. But, um, you know, one thing that Taylor shout to you is really good at is when things are not going well, like Taylor will be very quick to say, okay, you know, let's just take a minute. We can pray about it. Um, all those things, and that's so important because sometimes when you're caught up in what's going on, you really need someone that's going to balance you and point you back to where you're supposed to be looking. Yeah, I'll agree with that. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I like this question because yeah. I, I have a daughter and a son. So the thing I tell my daughter all the time is you got three things you got to watch out for. First, he's got to love Jesus. Okay, We talked about that primary. He's got to be biblically sound and know who Jesus actually is. You know, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. He has to biblically know what it means. Two, will he love you like Jesus? Will he sacrifice for you? Will he pray with you? Does he put your needs above his own? Does he lead you in the word? Will he patiently wait for you until the Father says go? You know what I mean? And third... Does he have a job? <laughs> Does he have a job? Will he work? Okay? Amen. Okay? 
And does he serve other people? Will he readily serve other people? If you've got somebody like that, you keep. I'm really strong about this. I'm, I'm actually. That's not what I'm saying. Adam, I'm actually going to follow up on that because the story goes, once upon a time, Hunter stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching a baseball game with Sarah's dad. He knew I was ready to ask the question. I was really wanting to ask the question, but I had, like, not been employed for super long, and I knew that was something of, like, just, just on a practical level, like, knowing, and this, this is going to be off topic, and I'm not on the panel, but, like, just being able to know, young men, that you are to be husbands, you are to be fathers, you are to be caretakers, providers for your family. And that means being able to support and being able to take care of and being able to love and care well for your family. So, Adam, I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. It's well, near and dear to my heart, man. Yeah. Well, no, if you're going to speak to the male side of it for a second, I want to speak to the female yes. side of it. Um, even more, so absolutely he should be a Christian. He should be a believer. He should, you should have the same values headed in the same direction. Also, ladies, make sure he honors you mm-hmm. and values yep. you. Um, I'm going to clap for it, too. I think I saw some nudges in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> because you, do, you have no business getting into a relationship with a boy um, who does not value you as who you are as a person, as a believer, um, because in the long run, they're not going to honor you, and they're not going to honor your wishes. And I think if they're not honoring you, then they're not honoring Christ. And so that kind of comes back into the, like, what are their actual beliefs and values in Jesus? Nice. Hey, we just got through talking about segues a little while ago. So on the subject of honoring uh, young ladies to young men, young men to young ladies, let's ask that question. Are you ready, panel? Mm -hmm. The question is, how far is too far? Hey, I'm going to stop, stop you right there for just a second. All right, guys. I've got five seconds on the clock. Get it out. I know it's going to be kind of awkward. I know we're going to talk about some weird things. But this is a serious question. And it's cool to giggle. It's cool to laugh right now. But this was a serious question that was submitted to us. And we're going to handle it as an adult, as adults. And we're going to handle it with respect and and maturity as well. So that is a great question. How far is too far? Um, so a quick answer is anything that is intimate and is to be shared with your future spouse, um, it, if you, that is too far. Um, but biblically, First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 said, For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. If we are in Christ, we know our lustful passions, but we also know how to control those. And we also know um, what God has called us to do and save and, and be pure um, when it comes to our marriage. Never forget there's three people in a relationship, okay? you got you, the other person, and God, okay? He's the one that never sleeps or slumbers, so he's always aware of what's going on in the relationship. So if it's something that you cannot 
do before God, then you really have to question, you know, where are we at and what are we doing? Because once you take an act of the flesh and you've gone that far, it's very difficult to walk it back. And there will be issues. I also want to speak um, to the person who submitted this question. Um, and obviously, I do not need to know who you are. But if I had to take a poll, an anonymous poll right now, I would say that a lot of you probably were wondering this, but were too afraid to put it on the paper. Um, and so what I want to say right here, right now, um, kind of taking this, this question in a different light, if you yourself have found yourself in a position where you think that you have gone too far, what I want to say right here, right now, is God loves you. Right. And he forgives. Right. And he offers... Um, so much healing. Um, and so I, I want you to understand um, that although, yes, there are consequences for our actions, um, and there are some conversations that you're going to have to have with your future spouse that are not comfortable um, and that are going to have some hurt and some healing that are going to have to happen. Um, but if this is you and you're struggling with this, um, this is why we're here. Right. And this is something um, that I believe in very strongly, that there is healing um, that can come after um, sexual hurt. Okay. And a lot of y'all may not know me, but uh, a little bit about my testimony, I'm not going to cry. Uh, but I had a child at 19. Um, I was not sexually pure. Um, and, of course, you know, there's still a lot of pain from that experience because of like my sin but at the same time you know god has blessed me with a wonderful child he blessed me with a husband um who loves me and has for you know been able to you know look past that that sin but for whoever is experiencing this or has um you know that wonder of how you can move on past that you know i'm completely here i'm very open about my journey, about my testimony, about how I went from someone who was stepped away from the church and fell into the world and got pregnant and then had to find myself back here. And um, God gives us grace. He gives us mercy. And he gives us the opportunity to use those struggles to um, speak. And I feel like maybe that's why I hear him on the panel tonight. I think to go back to the original question um, as well, because I do want to answer it, um, something that is super cliche, and some of you may have already heard it, but was drilled into me when I was in student ministry, is that purity is a direction, it's not a line. And so if you are constantly asking yourself how far is too far, and you're getting closer and closer to that line, you are always going to go over it. Um, and just like it was said before, once you go over it, it is very hard to bring it back. It is very hard um, to talk to whoever you're in this relationship with and say, hey, I know we did that once, but we can't do it again. Um, and so what you need to do is you, you need to sit down and have a conversation and say, these are our boundaries. Um, and we're going to stay as far away from that boundary as possible. Yeah, once you open, you know, open that box and kind of allow that into you know, a dating relationship, it is incredibly hard to come out you know come back walk that you know come back from that and it's and so guys it's up to you you know i'm looking at myself here when i was your age it is up to you to be firm on those boundaries you know you are a leader all right and your job is to honor that that girl right whether or not you end up with her or not you need to be honoring her because ultimately you know she's a child of god right 
she has this plan, right? She has been made in the image of God as well, right? And you need to honor her. And it's, you know, it's a tough conversation to have, you know, on, on the backside of that kind of stuff. So, thumbs up. That's awesome. So we talked about dating and relationships. Let's talk about friendships for a little bit. And um, I think a lot of us are friends with people, right? And um, one of the things that we sometimes find, um, and we're going to address this question just head on and hit it, is that sometimes some of our friends, some of the people that we know, some people we go to school with that we've already discussed, they believe some very different things. And they live in some very different ways than we as Christians believe. And so uh, the question for the panel is, uh, how, do our, how, how do I respond to a friend who claims to be a homosexual in a biblical way? Let me rephrase the question because I wrote it weird. How do I respond biblically to a friend who claims to be a homosexual? Um, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Um, God's love is truth. Um, and I think that, um, you know, for us to be able to, um, love one another, we have to do it through Jesus, but, um, we have to speak to them with the truth. And I know that sometimes it's a hard and difficult conversation, um, but it is so important that they may not be hearing God's word and know that what is said in the Bible and what the expectations are, but if you're speaking truth to them, you're showing God's love, and um, he will use you as a vessel for them as well. I think it's to remember, important to remember that, uh, you know, I think we can kind of get lost. In, oh, that person's a sinner. Um, all of us here are sinners, and sin is sin. There's no different levels of sin, right? So no matter how small you think your sin is, it's sin, right? So people who have that lifestyle, you know, they're people too. They're sinners just like me sinners just like you and I think once you kind of get that in your head it's a lot easier to to love them and to be truthful and and to really just share the gospel with them because they need the gospel just as much as you you and I did and we can give them truth and, and grace and love you know and then that's important uh, Paul says in first Corinthians 13 1 that's the love chapter he says though I speak with the tongues of men of angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. We don't want to be noise. Uh, we want to make sure that we're speaking to them in love, but not getting caught up in what they're doing. Okay, we still have to stand firm on the truth. And it's important to listen to them in conversations. Build relationship and understand that you can stand firm on, your, on truth, but they'll listen to you if you listen to them and figure out why they decided to go that route. Uh, what brought them to that decision? And many times it's a, it's a hurt in their lives. And, and everybody hurts. And so addressing this kind of situation uh, in love, in prayer, uh, letting the Holy Spirit go before you, giving you the right words to say that they need to hear, that only God knows. He wants them to be in his presence. Second Peter 3, 9. He, don't, he doesn't want anybody to perish. So it's important we always keep that in mind when we approach somebody. A lot of these folks out there today are just going, well, you're going to hell, you're going to all that kind of stuff. That's just noise. we got to go in love and stand firm on the truth and don't compromise. Hmm. Pretty good. All 
right. uh, along those lines kind of as well, how do I handle friendships with people who are part of the LGBTQ community? As a Christian, how do I be friends with them? It's supposed to be the same way we are friends, you know, like we we're saying with truth and love and with grace and mercy. Um, we need to be firm, though, in our beliefs um, and make sure that we recognize that, um, you know, their sin is wrong, our sin is wrong, but also not be compromised into their sin as well. You know, I think sometimes, um, to be honest, we have unrealistic expectations of, um, I guess, responses to people with these big sins, right? Um, None of us here who has um, made the decision to become a believer, like, you are not perfect. Shocker. You were not perfect before you, you, and you're not perfect now. Um, And we, sometimes we get in our heads like, well, they have to like renounce everything and change their whole life before God will save them. And that's not true. We make that decision of salvation and then we work on the sin. And yes, it's a sin, but we, we make that decision and we come to faith and we recognize that what we're doing is wrong. And then every day, just like you, you know, who may struggle with lying or um, drinking or whatever it may be, you work on it every day and so will they. Um, so I think it's important to, to realize that. I think the most important thing they need to realize is there's an unreal expectation sometimes when they're expecting us to react in a different way. Oh, you're a Christian and you're going to treat me this way. Um, what they need to understand is it's, the conversation is not about orientation. The conversation should be about salvation in Jesus. That's where the conversation has to center. And uh, once you tell them what Jesus can do for them, the fact that he meets them where they are, but the best part about it is he doesn't leave us there. Adam, you touched on something a little while ago that I loved so much, and I just want to reemphasize, like you said, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to use it. You said that it's important to listen. Mm-hmm. And, man, like, at the end of the day, guys, like, these people are exactly, they're, they're people. Right. And we talked about this, and we talked about and talked about, like, there are fundamental things that people need in this world. It's a play. I mean, they, they need friends. They need love. They need to be pointed to Jesus. And, man, like, I, I think sometimes the thing that clouds us from talking to these people and talking to people in this community is that we have been so used to stereotyping and so used to that, okay, well, I already know what they think. And, and it's probably vice versa. They probably already know. Man, like, it is not, you, it is not sinful to sit down and ask a question of somebody and to have a conversation with somebody and to use that conversation hopefully to build a bridge to tell them about Jesus, to bring them to Greenhouse, to do something like that. Um, I want to move on. We've got three quick questions, and we're going to try and like hit these really quickly. Um, and then we will close things out with a, a big hootenanny from the, from the band. Um, uh, third to last question is, how do I know for sure that I am saved? <clears throat> I'm not going to claim... Um 
like that I created this because I know that Hunter and I had this conversation not too long ago. Um, I made a decision at a very young age to follow Christ. I was nine years old. Um, and I had this realization when I became a teenager that like, oh my, oh my gosh, I was only nine. Like there's no way I could have meant it. And it wasn't that my decision in salvation changed my concept, my understanding of the, the gravity of the decision changed. And that decision that I made as a nine-year-old still stands. I mean, that's when I became a Christian. But my understanding and my gratitude to the Lord changed. And so for a little while there, I was like, oh, I don't know. But I, it's not that my decision was ever wrong. It's that my understanding of it changed. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that because, you know, I was also nine. So it's, a good, it's apparently a good number. Um, you know, as I've matured and, and just like my knowledge has increased of who Christ is, you know, it was like, oh, did I really fully understand this decision when I made it? Um, yeah, I did. I understood who Jesus was. I understand what he did for me. Just my understanding and my, honestly, my appreciation of it has just grown so much, right? Because I've, I've lived more life. I see more of what he does for me now. The more adult responsibilities that I have, I can, I can see that. It's very evident. And I mean, Romans 10, 9 through 10 says it pretty simply. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confess with the mouth resulting in salvation. Um, you know, my son got saved really early and I struggled with that because I wanted to make sure he was making the right decision at the right time. But, you know, one thing I had to realize is he's making that decision because he knows who God is. And as he gets older, like they're saying, your understanding of who God is and the things he does for you is going to mature as you mature. Um, and what a great thing to be able to start maturing at such an early age. So don't let age or anything else deter you from believing that you're saved. You know, once you've confessed it and believed it and put it in your heart, um, it is there. It is just how your understanding and your walk with Christ um, continues to grow is probably what is triggering those thoughts. To close, close things out, and the reason I say close things out, I have three minutes to go pick up my kid. Dad of the year right here. Um, one sentence. Um, I'll give you all like a little bit of time to chew on it. One sentence. What is one piece of advice that you would give to young people in this room regarding their walk with Christ and stuff. Don't I mean, wait. Don't feel like you have to be a certain age to make your faith real. Um, get in a good routine of prayer and, and Bible study. Don't let it overwhelm you. Our calling is simple. What he asks of us is very simple. It's to follow him. Find a way to serve and surround yourself with people who can uh, mentor you. And guys, that's the panel. We'll have that in the budget. <clears throat>